Ultra. Welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Two Towers, one tenth silent filled minute at a time. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. I'm Norman Mitchell. And joining us today, we have Bob Kester from Immunities and Tasha Robinson from the Next Next Picture Show podcast. Hello. Hello. Hi, guys. How are you guys? We're doing well. I'm doing great. Awesome. Awesome. Happy to talk some Tolkien. Yeah. (laughs) Tolkien talking. Yeah. Today we're going to be talking about Minute 66, which starts with Frodo kind of sliding down the hill a little more and ends with uh, the two soldiers walking away from Sam and Frodo. So, we... This 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 minute has, like, no dialogue. It's just tense. <laughs> um, it's just a suspenseful minute. Yes. yes. Well, and Frodo doing extreme sports. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's a foreshadowing of things to come. Later. <laughs> <laughs> unlike yeah, unlike me. Sam, who took a real tumble and somehow wound up buried in these rocks. Yeah, that was last week, man. That's old news. I still don't understand how Sam got buried. I, I don't know. Not like that, anyway. Magic physics. But Frodo just slides on down. It does kind of seem like he fell in a hole. And, and specifically, it's like, it's the hole that you put a character in when they've been cut in half. It's like the hole that Bishop is in. <laughs> At the end of Aliens, you know, when Bishop's been cut in half and, like, his his top half is just lying there interacting with people. Mm-hmm. Like, that is the hole that he's standing in right here. <laughs> right. Like, this is a step away from, like, the hole where you put, like, a head on the ground in a movie to, like, save some money. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not the um, the John Reese davies hole. No. It's that's only, movie. that's only, like, a foot deep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mark. it's interesting that he's gotten so unbudgeably stuck but is like completely upright. I, I can understand if he'd sort of rolled to a stop and, and rocks had landed on top of him, but mm-hmm. yeah, he's he's standing up in a hole. It's like there was quicksand right here, but it's it's only for Sam. It's not going to get thrown out. It's quicksand. Yeah, exactly. You, I, you saw where I was going with that. I, I, have, I have a lot of questions because I feel like if Sam had gotten stuck in this hole, it would have been like feet first or like feet up in the air. Oh, yeah, then there's just two little hobbit feet just yeah, kicking. Yeah, just wiggling. <laughs> I can so see that happening, but it would be comic. And this this moment is trying to be very tense and exciting. Mm-hmm. I mean, this movie goes back and forth between comedic and dramatic so many times. That's just that's Peter not Jackson. That's the they're going for here. Yeah. yeah. But, like, I just have questions about how Sam wound up in this particular predicament. <laughs> <laughs> it's like there was a statue of Sam and half buried in the sand and somebody pulled it out and then he fell like right into the where it had been. It was perfect. It was made for him. <laughs> <laughs> There's like a little sign on it that says, I am Ozymandias, King of Sam. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, uh, the Easterlings are going to present the statue to Sauron. That's why they're there. Yeah. Why does Sauron want a statue of a hobbit? <laughs> well, they heard that he was looking for one, so he could show it to the orcs so they know what they look like. So it's basically a Middle Earth wanted poster. Is what you're but it's a full on statue. They just carved wanted it out. For ring theft, one hobbit looks like this. Oh my gosh. But that's the wrong hobbit. Can you imagine, like, 
the person whose job it is to just carve marble statues of like criminals. This <laughs> is <laughs> <laughs> like a back order. It's, it's a really difficult job because in order to do it correctly, you have to catch the criminal first. Yeah. And get them to pose for you for like six well, this weeks. Is, well, this is, these are marble statues based on like police sketch artist drawings. <laughs> <laughs> it's just these weird blobs that look like exactly uh, symmetrical. Well, petty criminals just get like things made out of straw, like effigies. Maybe clay. I, th- I think clay would be a little easier to work yeah. with. And then Unless when they catch the, the criminal, they destroy it. Your... <laughs> <laughs> well, first they first they argue about it a lot. Like people prop them up and then say, "Well, based on what this straw man did, like your argument is completely invalid." <laughs> so wait, is there a middle tier one where if you're a mid mid level criminal, the pigs build you out of, of <laughs> sticks? <laughs> Yeah, like they, they carve it. In this case. They carve it out of wood, right? <laughs> yeah, it's carved out of wood. All the wood that Sauron cut down. No, that's Saruman. Probably a Saruman. Well, no, there's no tree well, for because Sauron has allergies, remember? Yes, yes, yes. You would think that he would just wave his staff and, and magically carve these things instead of hiring people to come in and spend six weeks carving oh. hobbit effigies. <laughs> They're like garden statuettes. They're like garden gnomes. Yeah. They're just oh, garden no, hobbits. They're, garden gnomes. <laughs> they're hobbit gnomes. And now all of a sudden we're in like Sherlock gnomes and that like that whole <laughs> movie series. Uninterested. Oh, when are you do that one minute at a time? Oh, pass. Uh, I saw Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> I saw Romeo and Juliet Why? and it was okay. It was a date movie with my, my girlfriend at the time. Oh, okay. And they make a cute tink noise when they kiss. I have no, yeah, I have no interest in Sherlock gnomes. <laughs> <laughs> like negative interest. I, I was always impressed by just the level of detail that went into those gnomes, like how you could see like every little paint scuff and scratch, which kind of brings us back to Frodo and Sam here and how they're completely <laughs> covered in nicks and scratches. Yeah. I mean, they, they they pretty convincingly look like people who rolled down a dusty hill here after, you know, 6 weeks of trudging through the woods. Mm-hmm. They're convincingly filthy. Yeah, and then the so this continues our trend of people not being able to notice things incredibly close to them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I was just, yeah, this is... These two like Easterlings. The... The, these two uh, Easterlings are also called uh, the Men of Rune. Mm-hmm. They're the, the, ah. the Sea of Rune is to the north of Mordor and to the south of Lake Town. And these guys are from the east of that. Okay. That's why they're the Easterlings. Okay. Okay, here's where I reveal that, like, Bob is a Tolkien super fan. Bob's read The Cimmerillion like 486 times. I have read it no times. Uh, when you say they're, you're talking about their relationship to Rune, how is that spelled? R H U N, with, right. a, with so an accent have, over the U. It doesn't have anything <laughs> to do with the fact that they're covered with runes. <laughs> no. I, I really like their armor, too. Yeah, I do too. I do too, but it's, I mean, this is actually a serious question because we're looking at this like minute by minute, frame by frame, I'm noticing all of these details of their armor that I wouldn't have otherwise. They've got runes on their helmets, they've got runes on their scarves, they've got runes on their their armor and back. There's like a whole language here, and I'm wondering if you like know anything about that from the commentary, if it's a language Uh, we've seen elsewhere. All I know about the, the men of rune or like the the Easterlings in general, is that there's not a specific name for their language. It's called its own, like, sub-dialect of 
Manish. Manish? <laughs> um, Are you serious? Yeah. You don't look Manish. Yeah. Uh, Women speak a whole different language. <laughs> uh, Oh so, <laughs> men are from man, women are from <laughs> men are from rude, and uh, one of their kings from the second age is one of the ring wraiths. Oh, oh. Mm. Uh, I think it's um, Kamul. I think Kamul the Easterling. That would make sense. Yeah, yeah. Leg- I literally have no idea. So that sounds legit. I was uh. reading. I was reading about them earlier today. That's okay. how, that's the only reason I know that. Okay. I was reading about the Easterlings and their history. I could easily see a costume designer hearing that they're men of Rune and decided, yeah, Rune's everywhere. <laughs> yeah, Rune's not not really down. knowing. Uh, I like that it, it looks like dragon scale. Mm. Mm, sure. And here's how big of a nerd I am when it comes to Lord of the Rings. This hasn't come up yet. Okay. Um, there myself. is a medieval Total War 2, the video game, which is an RTS you control different armies from like the Middle Ages in Europe, and like it's mostly like an RTS the, for those uninitiated. Is a real-time strategy okay. game in which you control armies and conquer everything, and like you're trying to conquer the known world to like medieval Europeans, <laughs> which is I like, believe it's actually a turn-based strategy game with real-time oh, yeah, right. strategy battles. <laughs> you're right. You're actually right. Is it is a it is a turn-based game with RTS elements. Could you have started that comment with well, actually? Yeah. Well, yeah. actually. Pushing the glasses up the bridge of yeah. his nose. <laughs> you, you are right. It is a turn-based strategy game with real-time strategy elements. That's true. Oh, my God. Uh, I just generally Smile. describe it as, as an RTS <laughs> for simplicity's sake. And you guys, there I is this man. And that's I knew okay. what I was getting into. She married this one. It's I know. Fine. <laughs> uh, and there is a mod for that game. That makes it Middle Earth. Okay. Yay. And Rune is my favorite army to play in that game. Mm. I love their armor design, the way that their army is put together. I think it's all very cool. And a lot of it is based on what brief descriptions of how they fight that exists in Tolkien's Legendarium. Mm. Like, they have virtually no cavalry. Oh, I see. Which is crazy, given that they're off on this wide plane. But their cavalry unit is amazing. Ah. Do they also use Oliphants? No. The the Mumakil are only from... Uh, I think they're actually from Far Harad. Mm-hmm. So there's a near Harad and a Far Harad. Yes, that is absolutely <laughs> correct. Right. This is actually true? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. It's all very Gondor-centric. Yeah. Is there it's... a right... Is there a right here in Grod? <laughs> Midgrod? And then, like, the Dwarven army has no cavalry. Right, because they're dwarves. No bows, but they have crossbows and, like, mechanical siege units. But there's... Aren't there Dwarven archers in... Freaking... Isn't Killy a, a Dwarven archer in the Hobbit movies? Yeah, I think so. Okay, so... What? But is he in the book? I don't know. I know in uh, Battles of Middle-Earth, instead of having archers of their own, they just bring Men of Dale around. Yeah, I think that's... Better. <laughs> yeah, and then the Men of Dale are a real ranged unit army. Oh, okay. Yeah. They're, they're their own kingdom. When that's you cool. guys were discussing the last minute, did, did you mention anything about the fact that apparently only two of the soldiers in this entire unit made their perception checks? Right. <laughs> right? And, and they appear to both be women. 
Um, I, I was wondering you, if that was just Oh, me. really? I thought, I, that, I thought that was Guyliner. We gave them plus one to perception. I'm not, I'm not sure. Their, their profile near the end of this minute, when you see one of them from the side, makes me think it's a woman. So, But I'm not 100% sure. The, the, I have it stopped 40 seconds in because I was admiring the pretty um, face mask. Uh, Which has etchings. lots of runes in it. Yeah. This, like, this looks like a feminine face to me. Um, but the other one... Not so much. Looks a little more masculine. I think the yeah. other one looks older, but I'm still mm-hmm. not sure. Like the first from, one that we see. From the close-ups on the eyes, I took it to be a man and a woman. And I spent a little mm. time kind of studying their studying their bodies, and I feel like they're so armored and padded out that you can't really tell, but uh, th- that was my impression, too. So I was, mm-hmm. I'm was yeah. i pleased somebody else saw that, and it's yeah. just I can it's see that. just my bias. Near the end of the minute, the one on the right, their, their silhouette or their, their profile... Looks a lot more like a woman to me. Hmm. Hmm. So like it's a whole Mulan-like musical to be done about them. About these two soldiers, yes. In particular, yes. yeah. <laughs> well, apparently they're they're the ones with high perception scores. <laughs> it just it interests me that nobody nobody like visibly directs them to go check it out. Mm-hmm. Nobody like points them like it would make perfect sense for like a sergeant to be like, uh, "There's some dust over there. You two go go check it out." But right. apparently they just wander away. Yeah, they just walked off on their own and were just like, what the Without hell's saying over anything here? to anybody. That's some bad military discipline. I wonder if the uh, reason that they have the masks is to kind of cover the fact that this is a man and a woman separate. Probably. Like, mm. I, I'm really enamored with the fact that they, if if the the second one is supposed to be like canonically a woman, just not like an extra that happens to be a woman. It's probably some of the writers of Rohan mixed yeah, into this yeah, yeah. stuff. I, that was, I, that was I like the fact the that their army is like a, a like a co-ed army. Like they let, <laughs> they let their women fight, and they don't like deck them out any different than the men. That's this cool. might also explain why sometimes two of them just peel off from the rest of the column and wander away, <laughs> <laughs> and just nobody questions it. You know, they're like, "Oh, guys, we really got to go check out that dust plume over there." We'll be back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's why they're also not too concerned about finding it. Yeah. <laughs> But like passing their perception check, I think is a really, it's uh, that's giving them a lot of credit. <laughs> well, no, I mean they see the dust. That's like no, like a. I don't. I don't know how they didn't see Frodo slide down yeah, that hill. Yeah, how they? Yeah. Okay, when Sam falls in the previous last week, when Sam falls, how do you not see him fall? This yeah, whole I mean, army the... would have looked up and seen the Hobbit surfing down the hill on a rock, <laughs> and then land in well, a hole. Perfectly he made for him. Yeah. Like he, it was it was a hole all the way down, and then it just got filled in with with rubble, like as he was sliding. I don't know. And then it he'd did. be at the bottom of the hole, and Frodo would have lost Sam forever. And I mean, the spatial relationships. There's there's like no tie up shot to like show all this stuff at the same place. I assume because it was shot in very different places, and so like you have no idea of the spatial relationships between anything. Mm-hmm. You know. And, like, you know, at one point it seems like they're far away and then they're really close. And I mean, and they're moving closer, but they're moving closer, like, super fast in between shots. Yeah. They don't look very far away. No. At all. Yeah. And also, as Norman was sort of saying earlier, it's uh, in that sort of dune category of, like, you know, somebody senses something, walks right up to it, and then decides to completely ignore it, you know? (laughs) 
Like it's not like they do, they have seven foot tall sticks in their hands that they could like poke the rock with or right. something. They just like... <laughs> yeah, like why don't they just just poke it? Like I'm not sure that rock <laughs> was that rock just there. I don't think that rock. Was just... We were just looking over here. Yeah. Was that rock here? I don't know. Why don't you poke it? Okay. To be fair, I don't spend much of my work day poking rocks <laughs> to make sure that they're rocks. I mean, it's a pretty convincing rock. Yeah. It is a pretty convincing rock. Can we but talk it wasn't about... a rock. It was a rock. Hobbit. Hobbit. Rock Hobbit. All right, you two. <laughs> oh, wait. Are you going to have to separate us? <laughs> we do get a little rowdy when you sit us next to each other in class. All right. Can we talk about why this cape is suddenly such a convincing rock? I... I I am assuming that we have to believe that it's elven magic. Yes. That yeah. these cloaks have some property that let them blend into whatever environment you're trying to blend into. Because, like, a second later when he whips it off, it's a completely different size and shape and texture. And his backpack is on over it. Mm -hmm. So... The backpacks! <laughs> yeah, the backpacks have been a uh, continuing problem. <laughs> They don't make any sense. <laughs> they also take it off when the soldiers are probably like ten paces away from them. You know. Like. Oh yeah. There's, just, there's that moment. It's like oh, they're three. They're three steps away. Sam, we're in the clear. And you can see why they do it. Like they do it for for speed reasons, for editing reasons, because you don't want like. I mean, and you guys should be thanking Peter Jackson that he doesn't have you staring at this rock for five minutes, because <laughs> that would be a boring five podcasts. So you can see why they do it so quickly. But yeah, it, it really does feel like, have they turned their backs? Okay, we're, we're home clear. Let's jump out, whip out the noisemakers, and have a hobbit party. <laughs> it's and then hobbit they, rave time. And then they go to dive behind this other rock. That, <laughs> <laughs> that one looks like a less pokeable rock. It's a legit that they rock. weren't behind, and so like, how did the soldiers as soon as as soon as that first one <laughs> turned <laughs> her attention towards this area, not see both of them sitting there with Frodo pulling on Sam's arm, and then throw the cloak over himself? All right. I guess I'll the only play sense movement. Devil's Advocate. Um, <laughs> this is like the silliest hill to die on. Um, hobbits are really well, good Sam at almost hiding. died. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, hobbits, but it was off the hill. Hobbits are like canonically very good at hiding, right? So mm -hmm. they they escape the notice of like men in general and women. We're an inclusive household, so <laughs> <laughs> this is an inclusive racial trait. Yeah. <laughs> so, so they, they ex excrete some sort of pheromone that causes that destroys memory engrams or something. I like guess. That. I was just watching a Star Trek Voyager where that happens, so that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's all I, various Doctor Who races too. Yeah, I guess like. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they got like perception filters. They're or... like the silence. Yeah, the silence. <laughs> exactly. I mean, see. I'm just going to a Douglas Adams place of the uh, the not my problem field. <laughs> yeah. Somebody else's problem. Somebody else's problem field. <laughs> this these hobbits are somebody else's problem. Mm -hmm. Maybe somebody that carves some marble statues of uh, hobbits, wanted hobbits. Yeah, they're 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 fighters. They're not artisans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, Jim. I'm a fighter and I'm a 
I just, I don't I'm know. I'm a doctor, plus, not a sculptor. Plus, like, the, the elven. <laughs> it's, it's strange that they chose this moment to use the, the magical elven camouflage cloaks instead of literally every other moment that they've <laughs> Right. They're like, used once item. Like, in the Dead Marshes 15 minutes ago right, right. with the Nazgul. <laughs> instead of crawling under a bush. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah, but probably being this... under that cloak would have killed Gollum. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> a lot of this is stuff that I really didn't think about when I was watching this in a theater because I was so caught up in the drama. Mm-hmm. But one thing that I did question even the first time through when I was you know, breathless on the edge of my seat, like, are they going to get in? Are they going to get away? Was how much does Frodo know? Like, does he is he actually depending on some sort of magical quality of this cloak? Or is he literally like a little kid pulling the blanket up over his head because he thinks there are monsters under the bed? I'm not like, sure. Like, is it a desperation ploy or is it calculated? In the book, are are they told the, the cloaks can hide yeah. them? Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, they sort of know. It's like Aragorn might tell them or something, but they, they do definitely know. And in the books, they use them way more often. Yes. Because mm. like in... When when uh, Aragorn and Legolas and Gimli are in Rohan, they use those cloaks, right, to hide from the Rohirrim. Do they? I don't remember. I feel like they must. I really Frodo don't. and Sam use them a lot. Yeah, Frodo like, wants third Mordor. I think it's mostly just Frodo and Sam that use them. Okay. Merry and Pippin might. They didn't in the Fellowship when they were really bad at hiding. I know. <laughs> like, that just makes every scene of these hobbits trying to hide since the cloaks were given to them mm-hmm. look foolish. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the movie, I don't think that they're told. So it, it really is just, oh, oh, we just found out something interesting. Mm-hmm. If you put this thing over your head, if you put the blanket over their head, the monsters can't see you anymore. I knew that cloak proficiency fight was worth getting. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta, yeah, but you couldn't get it until you hit this le- like latest level. Gotta, gotta invest in that non-weapon proficiency. <laughs> exactly. Uh, they were putting check. all of their upgrades into survival feats so they wouldn't just die in the wilderness like five seconds away from Aragorn. <laughs> into the wild. <laughs> See, I'm thirsty. <laughs> I do really think that the the shot of the two of them hiding under the cloak, like the the, the very close up shot really looks like two little kids hiding under a blanket. And there's something like intimate and small about that that I really like. But specifically looks like Harry and Ron. Oh yeah, yeah under the yeah, invisibility yeah. cloak. I do I do like the absurd like D&D quality of Frodo's cloak though because I I love playing halflings in D&D and generally because they're really sneaky and they get like bonuses to their stealth so like this is just Frodo rolling like a natural 20 on his stealth check. <laughs> it's like, like I'm just gonna meld into the background right now I uh I don't exist. Yeah basically <laughs> You didn't see me. I was never here <laughs> I uh These are not the halflings that you're looking for Or or it's a really good bluff check and he's like I am a rock <laughs> <laughs> I am a hedge. Nothing to see here. I do wonder if, given that, I mean, given that it's not explained earlier, I wonder if we're supposed to think of this as, just for a moment, something new that he's doing with the ring. You know, he, he makes this gesture and they both disappear, and it it's so reminiscent of what goes on with the ring. Like, are we meant even for a second to think, oh, he's discovered some new power? Or are we just meant to be baffled? Um, 
I'm not sure, and I, I really, I like that theory, but I think the only thing that I would say against it is because they are so close to Mordor, I think using any sort of ring power would immediately attract Sauron's attention. Yeah, that eye would come flying out of the gate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, we also don't get the, you know, ring-o-vision, so. Yeah. Mm, you're right. It's probably not intended, but it's every single time I rewatch this scene, I have the same moment because I don't remember every beat of this. This is a very long movie and a lot of stuff happens, mm -hmm. and I don't remember this particular beat yeah. until they're looking at the rock and not seeing that it's and, a, a sack of hobbits. Not, not only is this like a long movie with like so many individual moments that are like kind of memorable that can clutter things up. But it feels like, especially the last couple of weeks, we haven't spent more than, like, two minutes with anybody. Yeah. Sure. Mm. Like the last few weeks in particular have jumped around a lot. We were with we were with um, Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli for quite some time, though. Were we really? I mean, if you count the Gandalf flashback as, like, a separate thing, like, we're jumping locations pretty frequently. Yeah. That's what happens when you split the party. I know. As a, as a GM, I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, very difficult to balance uh, attention for everybody out, especially when one side is, uh, you know, turning into rocks and dodging soldiers, and the other side is standing around a waterfall drinking. Yeah. <laughs> right? And then all the all the Mary and Pippin stuff got cut in the theatrical, so that we don't jump to that. We just jump, jump back and forth between Frodo and Aragorn. Which is a lot more interesting, in my personal opinion. I, I, I have we'll a get soft to talk to that yeah, I have a soft spot. Yeah, we, we've got a whole week to talk about that. <laughs> I All think right. we've uh, I think we've dug up pretty much everything for this. <laughs> dug up, nice. Uh, <laughs> it's it's funny you should say that because one thing I wanted to call attention to is there's kind of a continuity glitch there with digging up Sam. Did you did that strike you? Um, hmm. Where it's like Frodo gets him free, he starts to lunge up, and then there's an immediate cut. And Frodo's in a different position, and Sam is kind of reburied and and doing the same pull up. Oh, that is funny. Yeah. The beginning of next. Well, I'll save it for tomorrow. But the beginning of next minute makes me laugh a lot. Um, but uh, that's tomorrow. So thank you guys for joining us. I hope you had fun talking about Sam. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> I had I had a lot of fun considering a lot of things about wanted statues that I never <laughs> thought about before. <laughs> It's a whole new career that I should perhaps consider getting into. There you go. We're Maybe there's a real market for that. Broadening our horizons. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that Sauron's out of business, it's going to be hard finding somebody who wants that kind of now, detail. Yeah, we just got to hammer out the details. Oh, my God. Oh. You're the worst. Boo. That's, that's it. I'm not doing the rest of the week. Oh, I'm no. Look, you scared off our guests with puns. <laughs> you can't handle puns. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, not really. I'm not so, sorry. So, hush, hush. Uh, so, we're from the website, DuelingGenre.com. Um, check us out there, as well as on our Patreon, which you can access from DuelingGenre.com slash support. Um, and where can people, our listeners, find you guys? Bob and Tasha. Uh, I'm the film and TV editor at TheVerge.com. I'm a podcaster with The Next Picture Show, which is a movie podcast that contrasts an old movie with a brand new movie and sees what they have to say to each other. And you can find me on Twitter at Tasha Robinson. 
I do the Immunities podcast on Dueling Genre, which is a, an audio drama about an invasion of the body snatchers type scenario where they didn't quite get everybody. Um, you can find it at the Dueling Genre website uh, at immunitiesdrama.com, Immunities Drama on Twitter, and Immunities on Facebook. Awesome. Thanks again, you guys. Well, thanks for having us. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Um, special thanks, as always, to our Patreon associate producer, Ed Foster, and hope everyone has a good Monday, and we'll be back tomorrow to talk about Bye. Bye.